Good Friday afternoon, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us. We're live in Charlottesville, Virginia, in downtown Seville. This show is broadcasted uh, across social media channels, um, on smartphones that are in the palms of our hands everywhere. And we are continuing today our investigative reporting on Segura Solar and Segura Home. And we are going to... Um, take a hard look on some of the business practice practices utilized by this company. And we're going to take a hard look at these business practices through the firsthand experience and the firsthand perspective of what I believe is one of the highest character, strongest women, uh, a person committed to doing good, a person that is legitimately going to tell her firsthand perspective in front of thousands of people, even though she no longer works for this company, because she understands the difference between right and wrong. And I've found in my 41 years on this planet that the right way is oftentimes the hard way. And I think you may see that today. I'll give props to Judah Wickower, who's watching the feed and all the social channels this show is airing upon. Judah, I think um, we are ready to welcome Amanda Erickson to the program. If you could do a two-shot, please, that would be welcome. Amanda, you are now live um, on this program. I want to thank you kindly for joining us. Before we talk Segura and Segura Solar and Segura Home and your role as a customer support specialist, please introduce yourself to everybody that's watching the show. Okay. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, my name's Amanda. Um, I'm a mom. I'm a homeowner. Um, so I do understand what some of these customers are going through. Um, I live in southwestern Virginia, and some of my neighbors are also Segura customers as well. Um, I've worked in customer service in a lot of different capacities, and I just enjoy helping people and trying to do right by people. So that's why I'm here today. I appreciate that. Um, the viewers and listeners appreciate that. You are a customer relations specialist at Segura Solar and Segura Home. The show is yours on that topic. If you could first start with your timeline working for this company and what a customer relations specialist does for Segura Solar and Segura Home. Okay. Um, I started there in August um, of 2021, and I departed January of this year. Um as a customer relations specialist, we had a few different titles during the course of my time there, so I don't even remember all of the titles, but they did essentially the same job. So we would take any incoming customer request, you know, people calling just about anything, but then also the new sales. Once they left the salesperson, we took over from there and helped the project along. So. Usually, if someone was in contact with the customer, it was someone in my role. Um, I can already tell in the short time on this interview and our time on a previous phone call that you have this pleasant nature that is perfect for customer support and customer relations. Basically, talking with folks on the phone, you have a calming demeanor, yeah. which I'm sure you've heard before, um, that probably is utilized often when dealing with folks of varying degrees of emotional um, phone calls and emotional perspective. Um, first, put in perspective why you took the job at Segura Solar and Segura Hole. Um, well, I took the job 
um, after actually contacting them about getting solar for my own home. And the sales rep ruled me out as a good candidate. So I was like, wow, a sales rep turning away a willing customer. I was very ignorant about solar at the time. And, you know, I just thought, slap it on my roof. It'll be great. Um, so I thought that was really honorable. And that's what drew me to the company. And um, yes, some sales reps are like that. But unfortunately, there are some that aren't as um, honorable as he was. Um, if you could put in perspective your initial job description and job duties when you started at the firm, Segura Solar and Segura Home, and your initial impressions um, as your, your first stages working with the company. Um, initially, it was really good. It seemed like um, they were trying to expand customer service. I think I was the third person at that point and then they hired a few more quickly after so they went from two customer service people up to six um, but then about November of that year things started going downhill um, and in my time there I think there were three maybe four rounds of layoffs um, so it seemed like when I first got there they had the good intentions of trying to have a better customer experience and then things just went sour. You mentioned in November of 2021, things went downhill and sour. Put that in perspective for yeah. us. Um, well, that was largely due to a migration between sales forces. We were using one type of sales force, migrated to a new one, and it brought the company essentially to a stop, it seemed like. Um, we just weren't able to function, so um, that made things really difficult. Um, I remember over Thanksgiving, I was with my family stressing the whole time because I couldn't figure out how we were going to function and carry on. And that goes um, along with previous reporting that we've done on the show um, where Segura Solar and Segura Home had looked to create a customized software. The macro or big picture of this company was to create a customized software that they could then license to other solar companies. However, when if anyone has software experience, they know this. When you're developing software, essentially a customer relationship management system that integrates with sales personnel and technicians and the C-suite and the customer support, this is an extremely heavy lift. This is an endeavor that companies do not really want to do on the fly because of what Amanda has describing. So in November, you start seeing this new software rollout and this new software was far from seamless. Give us the flip book of what is happening next as the software starts creating the potential beginning of these problems. Um, well, I can't speak for other departments um, because I don't have the insight on there, but I know our department, suddenly we didn't know where the projects were in the stages. Uh, we had to create an Excel sheet and throw our projects on there to try to keep up with tracking. Um, and that was extremely difficult, um, but um, it got us through. I can't speak to what other departments were going through, though. When you start heading into 2022, um, first quarter of 2022, what did you start seeing as a customer support specialist? Um. Well, things were getting better as the software was improving and they were working out kinks. Um, 
I can't remember though the timeline on when the first round of layoffs in my department happened. Um, but my manager and the two other customer service reps on my team were laid off. Um, so, you know, suddenly we have half the amount of people again. So that was very frustrating. Who were, who was your supervisors and, and your chain of command as a customer support specialist? Um, it changed many different times while I was there. Um, there was lots of, after every layoff, I guess, there was restructuring. Did you have um, regular contact with any of the CFOs or CEOs? And the reason I asked that question, in previous shows, we reported the revolving door of the C-suite, certainly the revolving nature of the chief executive officer position. So I'm curious if, if you have any perspective to offer on that. Um, I do not. I was at the bottom of the company, essentially. Um, I do know there was a revolving door on um, CEOs. At the time I left, during the 18 months I was there, we had two, and I guess maybe three if you count the owner, if he was acting as one. Um, I'm not really certain. The on owner, um, we've discussed on the program, um, Andy Bindia. Um, we, on a previous show, discussed the um, ship on the coast of Haiti that capsized, a ship that was insured for travel along the Florida coastline that was instead traveling in Haitian waters, uh, a ship that led to the death, a capsizing ship that led to the death of people, um, which is documented online, um, and then his pursuit of, of trying to recoup the, the damages from a financial standpoint um, through the court infrastructure and court systems um, with, with um, attorneys um, and, and lawsuits. Um, Andy Bindia, um, any perspective you can offer on the founder of this business who has been documented um, through publications like Inc. Magazine um, as a Romanian immigrant um, who came to the United States with a limited money, money from a scholarship academic, a beat-up Honda Civic, and a goal to try to revolutionize the solar industry? Um, I have never met him myself or had any direct interaction, um, you know, outside of company town hall meetings where he was speaking to us. So I, I can't speculate on what's going on there. Um, about all I can say on that is it seems like you have all of these CEOs coming in and out, but the problems are still there. So I, I can't speak at the top of what was going on up there, but it seems like there's a pattern. And even when you change them, you still have the same owner and the same problems. Um, I respect that answer. Some of the common themes of the phone calls that you were receiving as a customer support specialist, what were you hearing from Segura customers? Um, towards the end, um, I was getting a lot of tech support calls because tech support had been reduced down to one person answering the phone. Um, so I was trying to help him as well. And these customers, you know, they would have to be rescheduled multiple times because we didn't have techs in the field. 
um, you know, or they would get laid off and now the person who was scheduled wasn't there anymore. Um, so just a lot of desperate people wanting to get their system worked on. Uh, I'm also um, hearing from those desperate folks. Um, we've told the story of one case that's in particularly heartbreaking where um, one of the parents in a household of, of, of children and a mom and dad, uh, the dad was laid off, the solar system on the roof was not working, and this particular family who was financially strapped was paying the Dominion electric bill that they were promised that would be eradicated by solar along with the financing on the infrastructure on their roof. Because the dad was laid off, they looked to sell their home. And as they looked to sell their home, they were unable to do so because the solar infrastructure was not functioning and had not been for an extended period of time. When someone, when a when a customer calls in with an issue or a complaint, what was the process for dealing with that issue or complaint, and how was it followed up upon? Um, if it was something, so not tech-related, because they would handle those. Um, if it was anything else, um, we would try to resolve it ourselves um, in my role we were to reach out to the different departments. So if they were saying, hey, why is my inspection taking so long or um, install whatever um, they were looking for, we would reach out. Um, but towards the end, when I was there, so many people had been laid off, even in the permitting department and the inspection department. It was getting difficult to even get people to install. Um, and part of the reason I left is I felt like I was not able to resolve anything for customers. I was just sitting there saying, yes, we're doing our best. We're going to try to get this fixed for you. But I had no solutions. Um, and that's when it peaked at the end and I said I needed to leave. Can you put in perspective during this time your um, the level of stress you were feeling, what it was doing to quality of life, what it was doing to the work-life balance, whether you were bringing some of this home, um, and how it was impacting you emotionally. Yeah. Um, well, I was suffering from very bad migraines during that time, which I do not suffer from now that I've left. Um, and then also, towards the end, I would hang up on the calls with the customers, and I would bawl my eyes out, get myself back together, hop on the phones again. And it, it was just heartbreaking because... There was nothing I could do to help these people. And they were just getting angrier and more emotional. Um, it was sad because a lot of them would say, we get you didn't do this to us, Amanda, but we hate your company. And that that just didn't sit right with me. It's really hard. The emotions, um, I'm, I'm seeing them a little bit now with you. Um, and, and the reason I highlight that is because I think it speaks to your heart and your commitment to good and integrity and character. I would imagine from the time we have spent in this interview and then our phone call um, earlier in the week and some of our text exchanges that you had this um, professional and personal crossroads where there's a paycheck and then there's a commitment to doing good by people. Can you put that crossroads in perspective for us? Yes. Um so I want when I work somewhere to feel like I'm 
helping the planet, helping people. I don't want to feel like the evil person in the room. And by the end of my time at Segura, that's what it felt like. You know, I was propping up and assisting this bad guy that was hurting people, um, hurting families. Some of these customers had become like friends of mine. You know, they would call me and we would chat about their garden. They would ask about my daughter and things like that. So it's really hard to know that some of those people are now suffering or will suffer if their system stops working and they can't get it. That's a good follow-up to the next question. Who is ultimately responsible for dealing with the maintenance and the repairs and the callbacks? So if a system does not work, what happens? Um, What's supposed to happen is that the customers could call into technical support. They schedule someone to go out. If, If they need to order the parts, they handle that. Um, all of that should be from Segura, um, but unfortunately, they weren't able to keep up with that with the level of staffing. That um, what were the common complaints on the calls? Um, are you asking for people that were already installed or people trying to get Well, I guess that's installed? a two-part question. Um, how about folks that were already yeah. installed and those that were looking to get installed? Okay. For those that were already installed, um, if it was technical support, it was usually how long it would take. You know, they're looking at two to three months, if not longer, to get a tech to resolve the issue. Um, Sometimes with installed people, too, there would be the issue of, hey, we were told we were going to get this giant tax credit. It comes tax time and they're not eligible for it because they don't have a large tax liability. And that, that was hard to explain to people that are paycheck to paycheck that, no, there's not thousands of dollars coming in. Um, and then for people trying to get to install, um, that was really hard because, you know, people come into solar excited. They want to help the earth. They want to save money for their family. And then what should be a smooth process is dragging on and dragging on and becoming painful for them and it doesn't need to be that way. Um, I even had customers who were on their second solar install, the first one with a different company in a different state, and they were like, I know it can be better than this. Why are, why is this so difficult with you all? What, were you aware of the, um, were you aware of the leaks and the damages that were happening to folks, to, the, to their houses? I've had a number of folks that reached out to us um, and it's almost in a, a different buckets. One bucket was they're, they're selling us on a, a system with a warranty, and then the warranty is not being honored. The second bucket is our system is not working at all, and we can't get any maintenance people out here to fix it, so we're paying the financing on the Segura uh, with the loan we took, and we're also paying a Dominion Electric bill, so we're getting hit twice. Another bucket of folks have solar infrastructure on their roofs that is functioning correctly, which Segura installed, but when they installed the infrastructure on the roofs, they did it in a way that caused damage to the roofs, which led to leaks. It led to um, additional damage to what is 
one of the most important elements of a house, a roof that protects the inside where kids and moms and dads live within. Um, so were you aware at all, um, or was the team aware at all, that damage was being done in some cases to roofs and to homes upon installation? Um, so yes, those calls would come into my department. Um, and then the process was to send the team out to check. Sometimes, you know, they could do repairs and that would fix it. Um, I assume that's more of an issue now if people can't get a hold of someone. Um, and then another issue that it seemed like with roof problems. Um, so let me take it back a step. The sales rep I talked to about solar for my own roof. He educated me and said, look, you want a new roof on your house before you install solar. You don't want to install an on an old roof that could have leaks and things like that. And it seemed like with some of our customers, they weren't getting that education during the sales process. And they're installing on what was still a healthy roof. It still had lifetime, but it wasn't a newer roof. So then a couple years down the road now you have leaks well the roof is you know midway or nearing it's the end of its life so um i think that was part of the issue is just being pushier with sales rather than saying take a step back let's make sure your roof is really healthy maybe you need to replace that first. i want to give you um some insight into the magnitude of who is watching here folks watching in bozeman montana and new jersey folks watching in Georgia, Tennessee, in Texas, and in Pennsylvania, in West Virginia, in North Carolina, in South Carolina, South, Southwestern Virginia is very well represented here, Central Virginia and Northern Virginia, Richmond watching the program, and those are just a few of the jurisdictions and the states on our heat map. I am so grateful for your time and courage. I got a couple other questions for you. Um, how was the, what was the work environment like? Maybe give us the flip book from when you started to when you finished. Um, well, for the people I worked with directly, um, they were good people. Um, they were trying to do right by the customers and help it, it, seems like the issues with the company I don't know what caused it to go so bad but it seems like it was coming more from the top because I can tell you the people on the bottom my managers the people in tech the people in inspections they were all really hard working and had a goal of helping the customers um, so I don't know where all the issues are I'm you know not a, a business person but whatever issues they're having at the point I left, I don't imagine that they've gotten better in the past five months. Here's a tough question for you. Um, did you recommend Segura to friends and family? And the follow-up is, if you did or did not, how do you feel about it now? Um, I did not. Um, when I first started working here, I was giving them some time, you know, seeing how I felt. And then when things started going sour, I didn't feel right recommending to friends or family. Um, I live in a small town too. So, you know, if I recommended it to someone in my town, you know, I could have everybody with pitchforks outside my house. 
And I did not want to do that. And I didn't want it on my conscience either. That speaks to uh, her character, um, folks that are watching the program. If you could offer some insight into the warranty process, perhaps, maybe how the panels are installed, just some of the behind the scenes X's and O's so the viewers and listeners can learn a bit about that. Yeah. Um, so the warranties, um, you have the workmanship warranty, which is what Segura offered. And that was saying, hey, we'll come fix it if there's any issues for this amount of time. And then there's the manufacturer warranties. Um, so I want the people who are already installed to understand that those are two separate things. And even if Segura is not answering um, they can call their manufacturers and try to get diagnostics done, maybe get the parts shipped to their house, and then they could call an electrician or a solar install to install those parts. Um, while I was at Segura still, some customers went through that process to try to help speed things up. And they'd call us and say, hey, I already have the part now, just send your tech to install. So. That's how I know that process. Um, we have um, some insight into the warranty process, which I will read here in a matter of moments. Um, I, I'm hoping that we can also get some um, insight. Let's see. Some insight into the tax credit uh, language and or how it was positioned and or what you have heard from customers about these tax credits? Um, for the tax credits, in the contract, I feel like it was pretty clear of, hey, this is, you know, you may or may not get the tax credit, but these contracts are many, many pages. I don't think a lot of people read them in depth. Um, they may not even understand what it means to have to have tax liability. Um, so that was the issue with the tax credit. It's not, um, forget the term, because I'm not an accountant, but pretty much you have to owe taxes to then get any money back. And if you're a person who's on the lower end of the income scale, you know, or you're retired, you're on disability, anything like that, where you wouldn't have a tax liability, you're not getting a credit. Um, or that credit may be spread out over a number of years instead of a lump sum. Um, questions are coming in from the viewers and listeners. And Judah's vetting those questions now. Um, you have a number of folks that are watching the show that are Segura customers. Um, and they're giving you serious props for doing the show. Um, and I want Amanda to get some serious props from all those that are watching. Uh, that may reach out to her. What she's doing now takes tremendous courage. Some of these questions that have come in um, are what were your responses or what were the responses that you were trained or told to give to customers that had questions like, I was assured that my panels would be up by the end of last year and it is now late spring. How would you respond to those? Were you trained to give us a certain canned response, I guess? I'm sorry, you froze. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I'll, I'll, Can you repeat that question again? Absolutely. So some of the folks yeah. are asking if they called customer support and said that I was assured my panels would be up by the end of last year and it is now late spring. Basically, it's been a delay since the panels have been promised to be up on roofs. 
Were you given a canned response to some of these questions? Um, not typically a canned one, just because every system and situation could be different. Typically, we would try to find out what was going on so that we could be more specific. Um, I know there were some jurisdictions that they just didn't want to issue permits. You know, things like that could drag a project on. Um, so everyone's very individualized. Um, this is from Greenwood, Virginia, who says, and he's, he's giving you props. He says, it sounds like for a good portion of the time, the entire interaction with this company was put in your hands and on a phone that you were answering. And Kevin says, someone who is smart that is watching this program is going to offer Amanda a significant job opportunity for what she is doing here, standing up for what is right. Um, so I want you to hear that from Greenwood. Um, this is coming from McLean. What Amanda is doing now needs to be told. Um, I wish I had known some of the stuff that she was saying before we had this installation done on our home. Please tell her thank you, and please also tell this company F you. Um, this comment has come in. Um, were you incentivized in any capacity at all to get a message across to customers? Um, no. I'm trying to think if we ever even received any bonuses or anything like that. Um, so no financial incentive, if that's what they're asking. Um, I would say... Our department, my managers were really good about, you know, the contract gave you like three days to cancel. They were pretty good about if there was something just not right, letting people out. Um, for example, I had the daughter of someone call and say, my mom has dementia. I don't know how she got in this contract. And my managers approved us to get rid of that contract and let her out, even though it was past the date. So, um like I said, the people towards the bottom, you know, my managers, they were all really great. I, Segura as a whole is not evil. Um, it was made up of a lot of good people in a really bad situation. Understood. This response has come in. Um, uh, what was the response for panels um, that were promised um, a certain level of production? and that production was not being met. How did you guys handle that customer support-wise? Um, so if they had a production guarantee in their contract, not all contracts were the same. You know, there were changes over the years. Um, we would run the numbers on that, and there was someone that would do those reports. Um, if they were owed a fix of the panels or money, um, that was what was supposed to happen. I know towards the end, though, people that were owed refunds, um, it was like pulling teeth to get the money to them. I, it wasn't always that way, um, but towards the end, it was like that. Why do you think that was the case? Um, financial issues. Um, that seemed to be a theme with the company. Um, so you had situations like that. Um, referral payments when people would refer their neighbors or family um, they would get a referral payment and there were people that would call 
weekly checking on it and it would be months and months sometimes so just they they were running out of money I guess um, I didn't see the books because I was at the bottom but that's what I can um, extrapolate did you have any paychecks missed or paychecks behind and if so could you put that in perspective um no paychecks missed um, I will say <laughs> I've, before payday, I was always stressed if it, if it was going to be there. Um, fortunately, it was always there. Um, our 401k deposits, though, were not always there in a timely manner, sometimes months late. So the money coming out of our paycheck and then going into the 401k, um, that, that was an ongoing problem. When the 401k deposits weren't happening like they were promised, what was the conversation amongst the customer support team and your managers? Um, really, I only discussed it with my manager. Um, I was really nervous. Um, I didn't want to get fired for making a stink. I also wanted to make sure it wasn't just a glitch with mine. Um, I talked to my manager. She was having the same issues. And... Um, you know, we kind of felt like we want to get this taken care of, but we also don't want the company to sink because then you have all these people losing their jobs. You have all these customers that are now um, in a bind because their systems are halfway to completion or they're having tech support issues. So there was this feeling of like, we need to protect the company and keep it propped up. Um, so, you know, who cares about our 401ks at the moment? So. Was it a culture based on a fear of firing? Or was it a culture based on a fear of the company folding and then folks would lose their jobs and customers would be out of luck? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily a strong fear of firing, um, but there were all these layoffs, you know? Um, I'm honestly surprised that somehow I was the last one um, on the phones to be laid off. Um, so that, you know, after raising the concerns about the 401ks. Um, but yeah, there was this, this fear of we don't want the company to go under. Like a lot of people had, I was on the newer end, but a lot of people had been with Segura for a long time. They were like a family. Um, they really cared about solar and the customers and we don't we didn't want to see it go south how could a company of this magnitude and reach run and operate with one customer support specialist i honestly don't know um the day that the last two people got laid off that were answering the phones i was just sitting there like how is this going to work because You've got all the existing customers. You have all the new customers coming in. Um, and there was no word of like, well, this is temporary. In two weeks, we'll bring them back on. It was just, you're now it. Um, and then tech support was the same. They were down to one person answering the phones over there. Um, and he also had the responsibility of scheduling the techs, speaking with the manufacturers about warranties. So he was so swamped. It it was just a bad situation for everyone, customers and employees alike. Could you put your um, emotional well-being and stress at that point 
and work quality of life at that point in perspective for all of us? Um, it got so bad that although I have a mortgage and a child and a dog to take care of, I came in on a Monday and quit with no notice and no job backup. I just said, I'm out. This doesn't feel right anymore. I can't take the stress. Um, and I've never quit a job without at least two weeks or more of notice. It was just that bad. The, from Friday to Monday, walk us through your thinking over that Saturday and Sunday over that weekend. I'm sure it was kind of the, the mental pros and cons checklist that you were doing. Pretty much that's how it went. Um, I was on the couch all weekend with a migraine over the stress. And I, I decided, you know, this isn't worth it. I need to spend time with my kid. And here I am making myself sick. Um, I looked at the numbers and I was like, I'll be okay for a little bit. Um, if I have to get a minimum wage job, it's better than this. Um, at least I could sleep at night knowing I'm not hurting people. Um, and putting on this facade of, oh, this is going to be a great install, you know, I couldn't realistically do that anymore. Was there a point where, and you're describing it now, where I'm going into this gray area of being disingenuous um, or worse? Um, and then walk us through that if you could. Um, so have angry people on the phone you know I'm honestly telling them I'm doing my best to resolve your issue but in the back of my head knowing this isn't going to be resolved we don't have any resolutions we don't have texts uh, we don't have anybody here applying for permits just all of these different issues so although I wasn't lying I was doing my best what I wanted to say is I have no solutions for you. I'm so sorry. You know, yes, you should hate us. Um, and that was really hard. How, how would you characterize, and this is just, you know, one person's perspective, not asking you to be, you know, an attorney by any means. Um, how would you characterize this um, level of business activity or how they're running the business? Uh, um, honestly, I'm still surprised they're open. Um, you know, I kept thinking they're going to end up going under, they're going to go under, and somehow they keep limping along. I honestly don't know how. Um, after I left, a few other people left willingly. They weren't laid off, they just left. Um, so, like, if you, you've laid off employees, the other ones are leaving, who do you have at the company still to keep it running? Um, do you, um, other questions have come in, um, any insight that you can offer into the insurance provider that Segura was using? I've heard from team members within the company that there were times, and this is word that has been passed to me from other team members at different levels of the professional totem pole, that there were times the company was legitimately operating without business insurance. Um, I can't speak to that. Um, I wouldn't have my hands in the insurance at all or know um, if they were or Understood. were Understood. Um, here's a follow-up question um, from Richmond. Um, are all the installers in the company Segura employees, or is it subbed out the installation to others? 
Um, so there's the one main installer. It's technically a separate company, but they do most of the installs within this area. So um, Virginia, I forget which other states, but the one's kind of in this part of the East Coast. But if the customers were in New York, Florida, Texas, different third parties. Um, Any insight that you can provide into the financing that was offered to clients and customers? Um, The financing, who could have done the financing, and maybe the relationship to Segura? Um, I know when I started, we had a few different options for financing. At the time I left, we were using one exclusively, which was Mosaic. Um, As far as the terms that people were getting and the percentages and things like that, that's more in the sales rep realm. So I don't have as many details about that. That tracks with what I previously reported, um, where Mosaic was the exclusive financing third party provided to customers. And that exclusive relationship, I have been told by former Segura employees, and a paperwork that I have seen um, was based upon a much-needed cash infusion for the business. So the third-party financing company infuses cash for the exclusive rights to finance infrastructure moving forward. A um, couple of other questions for you. Do you get photos at all from the customers when they call you? Like they email you and say, can I send you some photos of the damage to my roof or the leak that it's causing? And, and then how do you manage all that content? I mean, we're in the business of managing content, and we have a team here. And at the last yeah. time, you were the only one there. Yeah. Um, so if they sent photos, that was actually helpful um, because then I could show the installers, like, look, this is the problem that's going on. Um, we used Salesforce to store a lot of those things and keep track. Um, so yes, there were lots of emails and contacts going back and forth, um, but that was typically helpful. Here's the tough part is I am a solar proponent and I know you're a solar proponent and I am a husband and a father. And I would imagine Amanda, like you, we want to leave this world in a better place then we arrive for the betterment of our kids. You know, I just mm-hmm. want our boys to be in a better spot than my wife and I are in, which sounds like it's you. So, like, the tough part here is we don't want to stigmatize solar or going green. It's yeah. so difficult to navigate this crossroads of, and I'm choosing my words very carefully here. I'll call it shady business practices without stigmatizing the industry in totality. Can you help me unpack that from your perspective? Yeah, I I feel the same way. Um, I love solar. I still think it can be good. Um, Where I see a big problem is this idea of solar's good for everybody which isn't true. Not all houses are oriented or built in a way that's good for solar. People's financing situations are very different, and that's not always good for solar. Um, And what you see a lot of times is just, hey, there's these government incentives, solar isn't as expensive, slap it on your roof, 
Um, and, you know, it's good for everybody. And it, that's just not the case. For the people it is good for, it's great. Uh, customers would call and they would say, I haven't had an electric bill in forever. And then you have some that they didn't have that same experience and it's costing them more money. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. Do we think the indo- – and, and this is just two people talking here, and I don't pr- – profess to be an expert, but it seems like the level of regulation in this industry is just not where it needs to be. Um, maybe it, it, it needs some more oversight at the federal level, um, but the things I'm hearing almost in a lot of ways sound like the Wild West. Um, a Wild West yeah. kind of predicated on bait-and-switch practices and backroom dealing and and a revolving door of executives and a delaying of retirement contributions. I've had a couple dozen employees reach out to me that say that they were behind on getting their paychecks to the tune of a month or more. Um, I've had vendors, and I'm in this boat, you know, they struck a partnership with us where they asked us to promote their goodwill on this network. They owe us just under $7,000. I have correspondence with the current CEO, and he's saying he's doing the best he can, and that's all he's responding to. You know, I, you know, yeah. it's just, it, this just seems like a, a space in an industry that is so lacking regulation that it allows gray area business practices to flourish and blossom. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, you know, solar's still new to a lot of people. So they don't know, you know, what to look into, what to Google. Similarly, you know, when I first contacted Segura and that sales rep, he took so much time to educate me about why solar wasn't good for me. And I am so grateful or I would be like these customers and, you know, have solar installed on a roof that started leaking, um, you know solar underneath some shady trees, things like that, things I didn't know about before I got into the industry and then I started learning. And a lot of average customers, they're trusting us to be honest and to educate them, and that's not always happening. What do you think the role is, or what do you think the next steps should be with this company, with Segura Solar, Segura Home? I got a landlord in Charlottesville, who said they've abandoned the lease and they own well over six figures. I have emails from vendors and former employees and customers. It ranges from the angriest tone possible to despair and depression and heartbreak. I have yeah. a, a family in Richmond that has been pursuing a, a lawsuit for an extended period of time and other families looking to get in the lawsuit game. I mean, what is the role of, say, Commonwealth attorneys? You know, what is the the role of I mean, Commonwealth attorney in Charlottesville or Almoro or where you're from and these various jurisdictions where this kind of practices are happening? Yeah, um, I'm not an expert on any of that, but it does seem like there's a void for protections around this um you know just because solar although it's been around for decades it's the boom in solar is new 
Um, you have these companies starting up. They don't have a lot of history. Um, and then when they're gone, their customers are left with this expensive equipment that not just anybody can work on. Um, so we definitely need more protections. Um, but, you know, we saw a similar case. I don't know if you've heard of Pink Energy. Um, they were a large solar company that went out of business. Towards my, the end of my time at Segura was during that time, and Pink's customers were calling us for help um, to help service their system. And we're, of course, turning them away because uh, Segura was bombarded with their own, but I don't know how many thousands of customers Pink had, and they were having a similar issue. So not every solar company is like these two, but there needs to be some type of protection. I'm so grateful for your time. I'll just ask you a couple more questions to close. I think it would be important for us to emphasize um, the, the warranty um, piece that came up that while customers may think their infrastructure is directly associated with the Segura warranty, there's actual manufacturer warranties that could help them. Maybe we reiterate this so this stays out in the news cycle. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if your system's not working, you know, go look at the box that's outside. It likely says either Enphase or Solar Edge. You can contact those companies. Um, they can probably do some diagnostics. A lot of issues with solar um, when it's not working can be resolved by restarting the system. Similar to your computer, Solar Edge or Enphase can walk you through how to do that. Um, there's also resources online, um, but you know, don't wait around for Segura to fix the systems. You know, contact those manufacturers if you need to and get help. Uh, they are quite um, more responsive. Um, I'll close with this. Um, Jude and I are counting right now what appears to be nearly 100 individual people watching the program that are thanking you and giving you props and giving you kudos for courage and for doing the right thing and offering them help and guidance. So I'll close with this. How does that make you feel? And then any closing thoughts that you want to offer the viewers and listeners? Um, that does make me feel good if I can help people that are in this bad situation. Um, I do still carry guilt that I was a part of it at all. Um, I, I wish I had never worked for them. Um, but what is done is done. And I just hope going forward, everyone gets the help that they need. Um, and if new customers choose to move forward with Segura, just be cautious, you know, get copies of all your contracts, you know, prepare yourself, you know, so that um, you can make sure you have a better experience if that's possible. Amanda, thank you. I am uh, grateful. Um, I just, it wasn't easy to do this. And I know you, there was some long thought that you put into it. So thank you for the time and the insight and the perspective and the courage. And I think you have so much karma heading your way. Um, I wish you the best. Thank you. Thank Take you. care. Um, Amanda Erickson, former Segura um, customer support specialist on the I Love Seville show. 
from southwestern Virginia. Um, the level of uh, despair and 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 damage and destruction and disturbance depression the wake of that collateral damage is as significant that I have seen in my 23 years of being in business or media or content creation. And I am aware of the, uh, the reach we have and the platform we've developed here. And I pride myself, and I know Judah does too, in being social entrepreneurs and conscious capitalists. Running the I Live Seville Network, I say often, it's not even a top four revenue stream for us. I would just be better suited, Judah would be better suited, of just pursuing development deals and branding deals and real estate deals and just shifting the 20, 25 hours a week that I allocate to this network to those financial best interest pursuits. But if I did that, I would not be able to sleep at night like I do now, especially that our youngest, our eight-month-old, is finally sleeping through the evening. This sweat equity and effort for this network is our social entrepreneurial offering. We cannot just use God-given talents for personal and financial gain. And Amanda is a microcosm of that. She did not have to spend 50 minutes with us on this talk show. But she did because she knew it was the right thing to do. And now... Through this network, through Judah's work and my work and Amanda's work and all the customers and vendors and former employees that have reached out to us, we've done a really good job of papering the digital trail. And papering the digital trail means what shows up online when you do a search for a brand. Now it's up to you the viewer and listener, to decide what you want to do. Amanda gave you significant advice and very good perspective on the warranties, the manufacturer warranties. That would be a path to consider. And I would hope 
I would hope that the Commonwealth's attorneys that watch this program, and there's many of you that do, I would hope that you take a very close look into what is going on here. I'm going to leave it at that. This show and this network is unafraid, unabashed, and never seeking approval. For Judah Wickhauer, my name is Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville Show.